The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Our topic today is how to be a spiritual dynamo. How to be a spiritual dynamo. You know, this, this teaching, there's such power, such joy in this teaching. Uh, and not a lot of people get to experience that. I'm reminded of the story of a little girl who uh, was sent for a visit to her grandfather. And her grandfather was a very somber, very serious man, almost a sad man, a very religious but he would allow no merriment around. And so for relief from this, she would just go out and wander around the farm. And uh, she got to uh, a corral where the, his donkey, the grandpa's donkey, uh, was there. And she saw the characteristically sad face on that donkey. And so she stroked the nose of, of that donkey and said, Poor donkey, you must have grandpa's religion too. <laughs> You know, the power and the joy that we experience here is an extension, a product of an active and ever-deepening spirituality, personally and collectively. Uh, That's really what's at the heart of it, uh, that we're deepening into this something. Because the science of mind and spirit is so much more than just a belief system, so much more than a philosophy. That may be foundational, but it's so much more And as we understand this, we can go to that greater dimension. So what we do is we embrace and and we express life-transforming principles that connect us to our true self and to our authentic empowerment. Okay, so that has the potential to make each and every one of us a spiritual dynamo, a vortex a vortex for the activity of the higher divine life. And it's such a privilege to have this because I really know that not a lot of people uh, have experienced this. So many people actually experience a profound disempowerment. A while back I saw a poster and it, it read, I've gone out to find myself. If I show up before I get back, keep me here until I return. Out to find yourself. We, we look for ourselves in all the wrong places. And in that kind of a frantic searching, whether we're searching for ourselves in money or in possessions or in status or whatever the case, we actually alienate ourselves from our true self and, and from the depth and the power of our being. And we can heal that. A lot of the uh, stories and fables of old actually have an archetypal power to them. And one of them that is very profound is is a story most of you are familiar with, uh, written by the Grimm brothers, and uh, it's Snow White. Snow White, and if I want to be politically correct, the seven little people. (laughs) At any rate, we're not going to deal with those seven. I'm just going to give you an overview reminder of the, the story of Snow White. You know, so the two main characters are the queen, who lives a privileged and and abundant life in a beautiful castle, and her stepdaughter, Snow White, who uh, isn't treated all that well. Now, the queen has a problem. The problem is is she harbors a deep sense of insecurity and unworthiness, inadequacy. And she tends to manage this by clinging to her status as the fairest in the land. And you probably remember the story. One day she holds up that mirror and she says, Mirror, mirror in my hand, who's the fairest in the land? 
And then to her shock, the mirror says, well, now Snow White is the fairest in the land. And the queen, in the midst of her insecurity and her unworthiness, is enraged, enraged and and threatened. And so she casts Snow White as the enemy. And then as the story unfolds, and it's much longer than this, she goes through many machinations and disguises to try to do away with Snow White, even to the extent of creating herself as an old woman and eventually killing herself, all in this pursuit of who she was not. Now, there's so much deep metaphysical meaning in this thing. The queen's discomfort stemmed from living from who she was not rather than who she is. And so you see, the mirror was giving her the opportunity to reflect her true self to her so that she could shift out of that inadequacy and that unworthiness into the truth of her being. Now, you know, every one of us has a magic mirror. It is our life, your life. Your life is that magic mirror being held up in it. And we have the opportunity as we look into this magic mirror to either see our situations and our circumstances as some sort of evidence of our weakness, our inadequacy, our unworthiness, or we can look into that mirror and see that those are situations that are calling forth the truth of us. And that we can use that mirror to remember who we are and go forth into those situations and circumstances of our lives as who we are meant to be, as who we came here to be, to go forth as spiritual beings, as beings that are conduits of creativity and innate spiritual power, authentic power. And the mirror of our life is always asking us, what are you seeing? And it can be magic if we will see our potential and our spiritual dynamism as we look at the mirror of our experiences and to go forth to live as who we came here to be. And so this mirror of life is just reflecting back to us constantly and asking us, how are you relating to your life experiences? And if we are relating to them from a sense of unworthiness, then we're going to be disempowered and things are going to go downhill. But as we anchor ourselves in that worthiness, we see the opportunities amongst us. Oh yeah, we all might from time to time have discomfort, um, pain or challenges or fears in our lives. For sure we will. But if we'll look in that magic mirror and see who we really are, we can shift out of that, out of that prolonged discomfort And see those as opportunities for transformation. Opportunities for our best self to come forward into expression. And then when we see that and own that, then the magic can occur. What occurs is that then things begin to shift in our favor. Transformation is afoot in every area of our lives. So who, when you look in the mirror of your life, who are you seeing? And are you going to war against that stuff out there? Or are you looking at your life and seeing it as a call to bring forth who you really are and who you really came here to be? 
So to be a spiritual dynamo means that you are living congruently with the truth of who you are. And I want to offer you today five steps, five keys, which are really essential spiritual practices to manifesting the truth of who you came here to be and to become that spiritual dynamo we're all designed to be. And the first one is to belong. To intentionally belong means to activate the power in your life of spiritual community. Spiritual community. Now, the masters of the ages, the enlightened masters, have always recommended that we not only have our private spiritual time, but that we must have our spiritual community. Whether it was Jesus and the disciples in the early Christian church that magnified the power of that consciousness... In Buddhism, it's the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the three jewels, it's called. The Buddha being the enlightenment state. The Dharma being the principles and the practices to get there. And the Sangha being spiritual community, the power of community. And the great wisdom teachers have tried to tell us this is indispensable. It's not optional. It's indispensable. Now, there's a metaphysical basis for this. And it's that consciousness... The sum total of your awareness. Consciousness is causation. At every level of life, consciousness is causation. That there's an infinite field of awareness, a divine mind. And every one of us is a creative center in this divine mind. And so our highest calling is to cultivate a consciousness of who we really are as a spiritual being, to cultivate that consciousness that we are spiritual beings and to move ourselves out of the littleness that we can get caught up in, the little boxes of life, the fears, the negation, the unworthiness, to really move us out of that. So we come here into this magnificent spiritual community to belong and to get our weekly small box inoculation here in this place. So that we are liberated from those, from the smallness of a fearful ego, like that queen was. And we can look at our life and see it as a reflection of who we really came here to be. Now there's some scientific backing uh, for this phenomenon of the power of a group and the power of community. And, And it's out of Princeton and it was called the Global Consciousness Project. And what this team did was they placed in 70 centers around the planet random number generators, all tied back into their central computers. And these generators do exactly that. They just randomly generate these numbers, totally randomly, and they can graph that. And uh, it never fluctuates, except what they noticed was when a major occurrence happened in the life of people on the planet, whether it was like 9-11 or the death of Princess Di or Michael Jackson or Robin Williams and things like that, that these number generators would all of a sudden, instead of being random, become structured. And the chance of that just happening, uh, 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 just out of the whim of things, um, happenstance, is one in a trillion. And what they came to understand, they say, is the power of coherent group consciousness. That it's a viral power and, 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 and a change agent, that there's this phenomenon called coherent group consciousness. 
So when we talk about the power of being here on Sundays, we're talking about coming into a coherent group consciousness that helps our own personal consciousness become not only coherent, but empowered. And again, the great masters have said, this is essential in your journey, and it will make your private spiritual moments even more powerful. But you can't have either or, you've got to have both. And I love that, because being here on Sundays and Wednesdays, it, it, it's, it's not obligation, it's not just because it's a tradition in America to go to church on Sundays. We hold a higher vision of that. You're coming into a coherent group consciousness, you're receiving from it, and you're contributing to it. And this then, this group consciousness, universalizes itself and affects the whole. Just like all of those people feeling those things shifted those random number generators. So too, what we do here, we must not underestimate it. That is a part of a unified field of consciousness, and it ripples out. So if you want to be a spiritual dynamo, make sure you have that ingredient of conscious belonging, that you immerse yourself in coherent group consciousness on a regular basis. And this is so powerful. It's a gift we bring ourselves. And it's a magnificent thing. The second thing is to connect. So on the power of this belonging, we have then the opportunity to open our hearts in community and to connect with one another and to see the face of God in all and to cherish the diversity of the human experience I love that Mile High is so diverse. We're age diverse. We're gender and transgender diverse. We're diverse in sexual uh, relationships and orientations. We are diverse in so many ways, ethnically and culturally, although I want to see that evolve and grow. We're diverse here. And I love that. It's a very beautiful thing. And to come here and to let it be this place where you connect and and, and sense yourself as a part of the whole is a beautiful thing because we are a beautiful family. And in fact, all of humankind is a beautiful family. And to, to go to that deep unity and to see that the diversity and the unity are not in competition, that they're a beautiful part of one another. We're one and we're also unique. And to celebrate that. Connecting is important. You know, the lone wolf approach doesn't so much work. Connecting. Uh, Eric and I felt really privileged to have a 12, 13, 14 year friendship with singer John Denver, um, performed his wedding to his second wife. And then we stayed in a friendship. And I just love the authenticity of that guy, his vision, um, the, the things that mattered to him that he sang about. Such a beautiful soul. I also remember and cherish a movie was in. Do you remember the movie Oh God? <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. And it, he played the part of Jerry. And George Burns played God. And one time Jerry was in the, his bathroom looking in the mirror getting ready for his day. And God, as George Burns, appeared. Uh, and he said, Jerry said, who are you? And he said, well, I'm God. And Jerry said, well, what are you doing here? And God said, I'm appearing to the world now. Why are you choosing to appear now, he asked. And God says, because I want to tell everybody that I made this world to work. Jerry says, well, you haven't seen the newspapers. Things aren't working very well. God said, but I've given you everything you need to make it work. Everything. And Jerry said, well, what do you mean? And God said, I have given you each other. 
We have each other. And we need to know we have each other. We need there not to be these pockets of loneliness. And if we're feeling that loneliness, it's our opportunity to take a spiritual step of connecting. So many opportunities here to connect in our activities, our events, in our social time. It's one of the most loving places there are. And may we, as we go out into our lives, be connectors rather than dividers in this world. To belong in a coherent group consciousness and to connect at the heart level, greater and greater intimacy. Then next is to heal. The next dynamic key, heal. Dr. Holmes said that ours is a teaching and healing order because the shifts we make in our awareness have a healing impact in our lives. And then he also was quick to advise that healing is revealing. It's not so much changing things as it is revealing the inherent wholeness at all levels of each of our beings. And so we definitely are here for healing. And I know that a lot of folks arrive here at Mile High with a need for healing, and they go to work on that. The sad thing that I find is often when they get results and and things have been eased in some area of their life, they go off. But since life always gives us opportunities for healing, they usually come crawling back at some point. Because isn't this the truth? Healing is not a one-time thing for any of us. At some level or another, aren't we all continually healing? We're continually healing. I mean, you can't go through life very long and not have a hurt or a loss or a heartache of some kind. Maybe it's a betrayal or the shock of people showing up in such an unexpected way. Whatever the case for you and me, we're called to the healing of that. We're called to continual healing, to notice when we're out of alignment with the truth. When, like that queen, we're looking at something going on in our life and we're seeing a reflection of inadequacy or unworthiness and we get to shift into the higher truth and heal that. So very important. And I'm so impressed with and grateful for the healing opportunities here at Mile High. Dr. Patty, she supervises our whole prayer and care center, abundant opportunities for healing, the ministry of prayer, our practitioner activities and practitioner core. Reverend Kate Johnson has the healing ministry, which is a, a group on Wednesday for those dealing with physical challenges and, and her healing workshops. So many opportunities for healing here. Take them, use them, and remember, we're all constantly healing and revealing the greater truth of our being. I got a letter a while back that I put in my file that uh, was very touching to me. It's about a lady who, uh, in growing up, her parents worked for a carnival. And, and rather than that being a child's greatest dream, uh, it was a terrible thing for her. They, she was around rough, uh, abusive people, and she experienced a lot of abuse, verbal and sexual abuse, and it was very difficult. Fast forward 33 years for this lady, and she was diagnosed with psychotic depression, and she had six breakdowns in five years. And she writes, for the past 20 years, I've been on a regimen of drugs, and they saved my life, but they did not give me life. It's only been the past three months that I've been able to successfully withdraw from the use of these drugs. What has saved me and given me back to life is becoming spiritually whole once again. 
And this has taken place over the past 13 years through the work of Mile High Church and all of you angels. I walked through the doors of Mile High Church and I knew it was different here in a positive and healthy way. It was not until I could grieve the past, though, that I could become present enough to stop comparing myself to others and being afraid of their judgments and then to listen to your messages. It was on a day I was feeling bad about my life that you turned to me and said in your greeting line, have a great day. And you must have sensed my authority issues because you added, if you want to. (laughs) God bless guidance. It was then and there that I heard that it was a matter of choice, but I had not realized it was my choice. It took a few more years of despair and feeling I was too deeply injured to be better before I hit bottom and realized it is only my choice to make. Only my choice. And because of all of you at Mile High, I'm at a point of saying yes to life. Yes, I want to have a great day. And yes, it is my choice that I make. And I do so because I love myself and others. Thank you and all of Mile High for showing me how to become a light once again. Your glorious work and smiling faces have brought me through a broken lifetime of despair and into hope and wellness. God bless her. God bless her. Healing. Let's keep going on it. And then the fourth step is grow. To heal and then to grow. In a similar fashion, inner growth is a continual path, not a destination. In some areas, in some studies, there are basic and advanced ideas. But hear me, in spiritual studies, there is no basic and advanced. There are no elementary ideas in spiritual study. There may be familiar ideas to you, but they're not elementary. And even the most familiar ideas call us to an ever-ongoing path of deepening into them. Because our spiritual dynamism calls us to experience, to move these ideas from head to the heart, from an intellectual to a felt and lived sense. That's when we experience the truth. And you only really know what you and I experience. That's what we know. And so we're called then to deepen constantly. I know that in teaching our, our basic course many t- several times a year for 42 years, I never have seen it as elementary because those basic ideas have an enormous, almost unending depth to them. For instance, take the simple idea, one of our earliest ideas of oneness. You may get that intellectually, but you would spend a lifetime or perhaps many lifetimes experiencing and embodying oneness. It's deep and it's powerful. So we're called for ongoing spiritual deepening. And that's why we have so many classes here, because we know that we are called to engage in this truth, to integrate it, to deepen it. And our lives will then surely show the results of that. But we must not leave it at an intellectual or a cerebral level, or we won't get those blessings. And we won't really discover the spiritual dynamo at the heart of each and every one of us. Deepening the retreats, the classes, dive in. And keep the deepening going. And then you'll be able to make the shifts you need to when you look in the mirror of life in your life. Like Caruso, the great opera singer. He was uh, just before one of his major performances and he was seen and heard walking backstage, pacing back and forth and chanting. And his chant was so beautiful. Little me, move over. Big me, take over. Let's say that together. Little me, move over. 
Big me takeover. That's the path of deepening. And we bring it to our everyday moments. Yeah, to belong, connect, heal, grow on an ongoing basis. Then finally, take action. To take action is to realize that you are meant to be an opening for the positive action of the divine. An outlet for the positive, constructive, creative action of the divine. So no matter where you are at your space in your life, there's the opportunity to take action and to draw a bigger circle of life around your current life and to not let the challenges or the problems of what's now stop you from being bigger, to, to, to decide it's not about being better, it's about being bigger. And very often I've seen individuals get involved, serve, show up, give back, make a difference, and the stuff that had preoccupied them as troubles dissolves because it's not getting energy anymore. They're about a bigger agenda in their life. And I love that we have so many opportunities to serve and get involved here. There's our ministry of service, which is the way you get to volunteer here and help create this this incredible experience from our sacred ushers to those who work with our youth, those who serve in the community center and serve in the office during the week. There's so many ways to serve right here. And then there's the action opportunities of our initiatives in the world, uh, like how we are going to in November, once again, have a longer with the Sikhs and uh, feed the homeless at Civic Center. There's this Saturday, our school supply, or excuse me, next Sunday, our school supply drive, and we can get involved in that. And to know that a part of your dynamic spiritual program is to be an active force for good, to not be so self-occupied that you're forgetting that your power is an opening to who you can be and what you can be in this life. Now you put those five together and you've got a winning formula. But we must remember to take action and to get involved. As a final illustration of this, I present to you a wonderful young lady named Maggie Doyne. uh, And uh, her picture is coming up on the screen there. When she was 18, Maggie uh, was just out of high school. uh, And she decided she wasn't ready for college. She wanted to travel uh, and to discover her inner self. Well, four countries into that journey... Maggie uh, found herself in the midst of a remote, war-torn village in Nepal. And she watched in tremendous despair as many of the Nepalese children eked out food for the day by the backbreaking work of breaking up rocks to form gravel. And they'd turn it in for a dollar a day so that they might eat. She was so deeply moved by that. She was compelled to take action. And so uh, she paid $7 to enroll a girl in school, and one kid led to two, and then two led to seven, and so on, because she was determined to make a difference and to provide some stability uh, and foundation for these little children, these little refugees. A year later, at age 19, she convinced her parents to wire her entire savings account to her, which was $5,000, so that she could buy a piece of land uh, there in Nepal, and that spearheaded the creation of the Kopila Valley Children's Home for Orphans. And she opened that and began to give shelter to these beautiful beings. Then, uh, four years later, at 23, she opened a school in addition, and it now serves 350 of these students. She never let her age and all the yabuts get in her way. 
Well, in 2014, the Dalai Lama gave her the Unsung Hero of Compassion Award. In 2015, she was the CNN Hero of the Year. A cover story on the New York Times Magazine was done on her, and here's a, a copy of that, and there she is again. They did an interview with Maggie, and they said, What's your purpose in life? And she said, To give my children a happy childhood, keep them healthy, and change the model for orphan care. And then she was asked, What do you get from giving? I get a bursting heart (laughs) and 350 of the happiest and most amazing little kiddos in the universe. Hugs every day, lots of laughs, family games of capture the flag, too many birthday parties to count, and more love than I could have ever imagined. See, we always get more than we ever give. What advice do you have for others who aspire to be citizen philanthropists? She concludes, follow your heart. Do what you love. And for any problem... Education is usually the answer. You and I are an active vortex for the spirit through which its healing light and its love is yearning to be expressed. Let's take action. Jane Goodall said we could change the world tomorrow if all the millions of people around the world acted the way they believe. So there you have five key practices and steps They're not sequential. They're meant to be happening all the time. To belong, connect, heal, grow, and take action continually. Let's say those together. Belong, connect, heal, grow, and take action. You will find yourself becoming an absolute dynamo as you continually give your energy in all of these areas. And you will be so blessed with more energy than you've given in return, more abundance, more love than you've given in return, and you'll really know what it means to live as a spiritual dynamo in your life. And I want you to know you're going to keep seeing these things because we feel like these are the five pathways for people to express in this community, to live this teaching. You're going to see this continually all around here because it's a formula for what we're all about. So when you look in the mirror of your life, I invite you to see power there, authentic power. I invite you not to be diminished by the problems and the challenges or intimidated in any way. I invite you to look into the mirror of your life and see the opportunity for mastery, the opportunity for the power of your heart, the opportunity for spiritual truth to come alive in you, the opportunity to share that amongst others and to receive and to give as well, the opportunity truly to become what you're intended to be, a spiritual dynamo. And so it is.